All right, it's okay. Take it easy, no worries. We'll do it live, no mistakes. I promise, no mistakes. We will get through this. We will do it all in one take, like we usually do. Well, sort of, in some segments. It depends on how complicated the segment is, okay? <laughs> all right, yes, we're doing it live. or live to tape, I get it. We're doing it live to tape. I know, yeah. I know it's a busy day in Old City. Yeah, there's motorcycles running past the studio, but, but we're still doing it live. Now there's a bus, now there's a louder motorcycle, a louder, and we're still doing it live, right? <laughs> we're going straight through. <laughs> yeah, I love that Bill O'Reilly clip. Oh man, that, I, that what was that, 10 years ago that came out? I mean, that's like part of pop culture now. Total pop culture. I was going to say excellence, but it might not be excellence since it's a meltdown. But we are we are doing it live. We are we're, we're you know I, I I wrote I wrote it down right here. See, I wrote it so we could do it live. We'll do it live. All right. Forget it. I wrote it down. We'll do it live. <laughs> the thing still cracks me up, and there's so many different versions of it. Um, there's a who's the news anchor on The Simpsons? Kent, I forget the name. But um, I think there's a version that there's Stewie from Fa the best, the funniest one. <laughs> Stewie from Family Guy. And there's a rock and roll reference on there because Kiss has been on Family Guy. There was a David Lee Roth reference on Family Guy. And of course, who could forget the Queen? <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's, that's a show. All the rock and roll references on Family Guy. <laughs> the Stewie one's the best. Oh, that, yeah. that's tomorrow, and this is the, I, I can't, there's no words on it. I, I can't do a Stewie voice, but anyway, you get the idea. It's Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin. So great to be back in the saddle. It's been a very long work week, a great work week, don't get me wrong, but a, a long one, so great to uh, be back in the rock and roll saddle here. Uh, not to necessarily quote Aerosmith there, or partially squ uh, quote them, but uh, I am back in the saddle again, and, and it's good to be that way uh, with you. Um, yeah, there's a, there's been a lot of rock news this week, by the way. Oh, did you see this fall that uh, Kirk Hammett took? Did you see this? He was, so he has this cool guitar cam um, that kind of, the camera's uh, on stage, sort of at his feet, shooting upward. And you can see, you can sort of hear the rest of the band, and he's playing this solo uh, in Milan, and he slips on his wah pedal and falls. And he's down for like, it feels like 20 seconds. Um, the band keeps going, like, you know, James Hetfield, he keeps going, you know, I forget, was it, I, I can't remember the song they were doing, but anyway, um, there's a video on there, so he gets back up, he kind of laughs it off, and he gets right back up and, and keeps playing, you know. Um, the band doesn't stop, though, um, it, which is interesting how, uh, how much, you hear how much James' rhythm guitar is in there, and, and how much of a, a key part of the sound it is, you know, of course, obviously. Um, but it's always interesting when you hear that live when one guitar stops and you hear the other one keep going and you just sort of compare like the audio mix and how that all works. But anyway, he's okay. He laughed it off. So uh, it's good that he's okay. Hey, I was just talking about this with uh, a colleague of mine, Shane, uh, who's a big Van Halen fan like me. And uh, he, the other day uh, after work, he played me um, some of the, you know, the, D the DLR album, which I think was from 99. It was uh, John Five's, uh, the song, uh, the, the work that John Five did um, 
with uh, David Lee Roth, and we were, you know, it was like the, it was a Van Halen, it was described as a Van Halen album that was not a Van Halen album, and it was, it's very heavy, it, it has some, some silly stuff on it, but some really cool heavy dynamics. Well, John Five uh, apparently had recorded with David Lee Roth after that, and we, we kind of knew that. He's hoping that some of that material is released. Uh, some stuff he even did five years ago with uh, Roth. Uh, so there's a new. Uh, he he was on this uh, this. It looks like a YouTube show. Um, uh, Master of Shred, uh, and he played a little clip. Looks like it's an acoustic clip, or sounds like an acoustic clip of. Uh, some stuff he did. He only played like I think 40 seconds of it, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, so he and he had it looked like it was on his phone, and so that was kind of cool to know that there's some newer stuff that he's done with David Lee Roth. And John Five says in this interview, he also spoke to Metal uh, Titans about this, that he hopes that that music will come out someday. He thinks that uh, Roth is very much involved with Van Halen, which. Hopefully something happens with Van Halen, and hopefully it involves Michael, although Michael Anthony shot those rumors down on the Howard Stern Show. As we all know, we talked about it here. We did a whole podcast dedicated to that. But uh, one can never lose hope there. Um, so if they, and if they go on tour, they'll do it live, hopefully. That's the theme here, doing it live. Although, how many bands really do vocals live? I mean, you know, Paul Stanley, that's a debate, though, whether he's singing live entirely. Uh, with the backing tracks, backing tracks, that's a big debate in the music world right now. Oh, by, by the way, uh, so Dr. Brian May uh, says to uh, BBC Radio 2's The Zoe Ball Breakfast Show, uh, I believe Zoe is how you say her name, uh, according to the common spelling, uh, we still haven't earned a penny from it, talking about Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie. He says it's like a billion dollar movie and they haven't earned anything from it, which was really interesting. We were talking about a report that came out that says that um, Queen is worth uh, more that the, uh, Dr. Brian May, Roger Taylor, and uh, formerly active member um, John Deacon, that they're all uh, $33 million each richer since that movie came out. Uh, however, they say they haven't made any money off the movie. Uh, that's what uh, Brian May said, which was really interesting. So their fortune overall collectively is now, they're now worth about $100 million or so more than, than the Queen of England, which I, we, we kind of had some fun with last time on the show. Uh, but he says they haven't made a penny from the movie now. There's a lot of people, a lot of folks who have their hand in the pie of the Freddie Mer Mercury movie. So, of course, you know, the movie, that money's going to go in many directions, like most blockbuster films. Uh, that's kind of how that works. But that money, you know, we also believed came from, you know, uh, Brian May was sort of laughing about how much money the, uh, he, they've reportedly made since the movie came out. He says in this interview, uh, because they haven't made a penny, he says, but a lot of it, of course, is from the catalog. And it's from money that's been made during the catalog, uh, you know, with people rediscovering Queen music. There's Queen songs and, and all. I Want It All is in the commercial. Um, I think uh, th there's a bunch of other tracks in, in commercials. And, of course, people have rushed out to buy Queen music around the world. So that would that in itself would, would um, really kind of, you know, hell, maybe even some people. I meant to say heck, I'm sorry. <laughs> maybe even people... Uh, who have listened to, uh, who, you know, went back to um, 
Wayne's World. Maybe people went back and bought that film and maybe they made some money. Maybe not. I don't know. But it's the Quint catalog that's raking in a lot of cash there too. Oh, Megadeth is back in the studio. They posted a picture on social media of a very nice, high quality studio. Nothing uh, that you would uh, not expect them to have um, uh, access to. Uh, so they're going into the studio for production. That is lovely. Looking forward to some new Megadeth music. Um, and uh, let's see, we'll get into uh, the Led Zeppelin documentary that's out on, uh, I believe it's YouTube. Um, there's different episodes there talking about the history of the band and some surprising uh, revelations uh, from Jonathan Cain. Um, no pun intended, uh, given his new record on Christian music out, out there. Uh, but uh, some uh, surprising details about his lack of a relationship with Steve Perry. Much more coming your way on Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin. New Tool music, finally, we have a date for this. August 30th. August 30th is the date for the, the new Tool record, and I cannot wait. This will be the first since 10,000 Days came out in 2006. I was in college when that album came out. I saw these guys uh, when they came to the Breslin Center at Michigan State. Um, it was before the, um, it was the album uh, before uh, 10,000 Days, and they played there. And, and what's interesting is, you know, having not seen them in almost, what, 18 years, I think it, it's been, 17 years, you really haven't missed much in terms of new songs that they would play other than uh, most recently at a, at a show, uh, two tracks they played in Jacksonville, uh, Descending and Invincible, two new Tool tracks. They certainly sound like they could be Tool uh, song titles. So uh, the, the album name uh, isn't, uh, I haven't seen the album name just yet, uh, but August 30th is when Tool will finally have that new record out. Maynard James Keenan has said in interviews that the writing process is long and drawn out, that really it's the other guys, it's, it's um, you know, Adam and Danny and all the other guys who spend a lot of time writing and writing and writing and working before he ever even comes in with lyric, comp lyrical compositions. So... Um, you know, that's an interesting thing there. Finally, uh, we're going to get some new Tool music. And uh, those videos are on there where they're playing those new songs. Really good quality, too, of the audio. So uh, that's good. So uh, this Led Zeppelin documentary um, that's out, well, it's really, there's some short videos on the Led Zeppelin Twitter page, uh, um, YouTube page. Uh, they've got the second episode out of the history of Led Zeppelin. And these are really relatively short, well, very short videos, um, almost like lyric video style, you know. It's great for millennials who are getting into rock and roll music. And, you know, you see young people sometimes with Led Zeppelin t-shirts and you wonder how much do they know about the band? Well, this is all leading up to the 50th anniversary, a major celebration. There's a big thing they're doing telling the story of the band and other, you know, musical bits that they're going to be doing. Um, but... Um, you know, to celebrate the 50th anniversary of their debut. Um, but there's, what's really interesting here is um, these, these videos that tell the basic history of the band, like how they went from the new Yardbirds to Led Zeppelin and, and different things like that. So that's out there, um, kind of cool stuff. A lot of it diehard fans already know, but it's still, um, you know, nice to see something coming from the Led Zeppelin organization there, celebrating their history. Um, uh, and then, what was the other... Oh, 
So yeah, and the new thing they're going to be doing, this longer project's going to have, Led Zeppelin will have new interviews from the surviving members and some archived interviews uh, with... Uh, with John Bonham as well, so looking forward to that. Um, so Michael Cavaccini, he's a journalist, a rock journalist out there, and he did an interview with uh, Jonathan Cain of Journey. Jonathan Cain has a new album out uh, of Christian music. Uh, he just played at the White House recently for the, the uh, National Day of Prayer. He led a choir. Uh, he played an acoustic guitar and sang uh, some uh, spiritual numbers. Um, but he said in this interview um, that he did not, he does not have a relationship with Steve Perry, which is not entirely surprising, but usually you hear Neil Sean talking about that. Um, but uh, it's, you, you have, uh, you know, he basically said that, um, you know, the last time they talked was at the, um, the, Rock Hall induction, which was a few years ago, I think now. Was it three years ago? I want to say something like that. Uh, and he, he says, uh, Jonathan Cain says that, um, you know, it's, it's too bad, but he doesn't really live. Essentially, Cain says he doesn't live with regrets. If Steve Perry doesn't want to have a relationship with him and Neil, then that's Steve Perry's business. Um, he said that, you know, when Steve Perry basically left the band last time around, uh, it was something to the effect of, words to the effect of, you know, lose my phone number is what Jonathan Cain said. Steve Perry uh, said so. Um, you know, it, it sounds like, um, you know, um, I don't want to say no love lost. It, it sounds like there's still, you know, I think Jonathan Cain, especially in given where he is now in his life, you know, so involved in, in uh, uh, evangelical uh, works and things like that and spirituality, it sounds like he doesn't, I mean, I, I, I'm just, this is just my interpretation. I think he has, I don't think he's, he's ever been the kind of guy who seems to hold grudges. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I've no, I've only interacted with him on Twitter a couple times. Um, he doesn't seem like the, you know, the kind of person who gets really bitter about things, but he is someone who clearly is saying, you know, that is where that is. And, you know, it's up to Steve Perry to pick up the phone. Um, is, is the impression I'm getting from it. Uh, he did, he was, uh, Jonathan King was very complimentary of Steve Perry's latest record that came out last October, uh, said it's, it was great considering he's been away for so long. So that was nice to hear him say, um, you know, that, that some, some kind words about the record there. Um, so anyway, yeah, so that's all the rock news. A lot of rock news since we were off. We were off for, what, two days. We did the K.K. Downing um, story. And, uh, you know, some of the interactions I had with him in text uh, about where things are with Judas Priest. Then we talked about Richie Faulkner's statement there. Seems like there hasn't really been a whole lot said recently. There's been some new concert footage posted of uh, Priest's current, uh, you know, shows that they're doing. Uh, this is a great year for rock. Iron Maiden's coming back around. Uh, White Snake was just here. Um, another band that was... Um, did okay in the 80s, didn't really bubble up to the top of the surface that uh, my good friend Shane saw was Thor. Uh, and I got to tell you, I listened to, he turned me on so, to some of their early stuff, and it is amazing. I mean, it, it's got a very much like a uh, kill, you know, sort of that, it, it, it's the sound sort of in between Kill 'em All and Ride the Lightning, you know, by Metallica. But it, it, it's fast, heavy guitar. It's got, it, it really has 
a new wave of British heavy metal feel to it. These guys were a, a Canadian band. The, the singer dressed up like Thor. You know, he would uh, throw the shield up in the, the air and, and fans would throw their fists in the air. And they had a really, you know, kind of an intimate show in Philadelphia, but they're still out there. It's the guitar. It's the singer, uh, I think the bass player, and, a, and one other guy from the original band or so. Um, but that's that's really cool. You know, I, I got to tell you, I, that and Riot, two other bands that I, or, you know, two another band so a total of two bands that i never really heard of and you know i was talking we got to have shan on this show because we talk so much about music but um you know he, he has some great insight from just when he was you know a fan of of these acts as they were coming out like i'm 36 he's a bit old a little bit older than me but he you know well he's at least i think 10 years older so he he remembers when these bands were big and when they were coming now he's he's i don't want to He's not old, okay, but he's he's a bit older. Anyway, you know, he remembers like the early 80s when these bands came out and it was one great band after another, after another, after another, you know. Um, and, you know, I am I know like the big, huge acts and then even the ones who were okay but didn't really do very, very well. But he, he's, he has so much insight as to, into all these groups that were really big um, at the time or just came out, you know, one after another, after another, after another, a full onslaught of hard rock and heavy metal music, which I always thought was really cool. And it's too bad that I, you know, I mean, I, I wish I lived through that, but I, I sort of live vicariously through him, you know, when he tells me about all of this stuff and, and uh, you know, but Thor and Riot, two bands that, I mean, I got to tell you, listening to their first couple of records, amazing, simply amazing. So if you haven't heard of them and you really like that era and that sound, you know, again, these are bands that, you know, were out there and, and, and fairly big for a while. They never became super, super, super huge. But if you like that sound, you're going to, you know, that fast guitar, kind of raw guitar sound, you know. These guys were playing, I don't know, Gibson Explorers. Uh, I don't even think Jackson was out yet with, with what the kind of guitars they were putting into the metal scene by the mid-80s. But uh, maybe they had just come out. But it's just really sort of stripped down, fast, hard rock, heavy metal. Really, really good stuff. Great quality, too, for that. Great production for the time. So it has all of those elements. I mean, if you like, I mean, if you like early Metallica, if you like, um, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Would it be Angel Witch or a group like that? Or like sort of like Saxon, maybe a little bit. Kind of, I, I feel like there's some of that in there. Anyway, you'll get that sound. It's very, it's the very early. It's the kind of stuff that inspired early Metallica, and and really came out. You know, the kind of stuff that early Metallica inspired. You know, so very, very good uh, listening there. Good quality music. So anyway, um, again, I was gonna get into. This is kind of a show that's got all kinds of bases covered because there's so much rock news. Story one, story two, story three. You know, you get the idea. And we just ran through all of them, and I don't think I'm missing. No, I don't think I'm missing one. If, if no, we'll do it on another show because we're doing one more this weekend. So anyway, uh, I was going to talk about just uh, we had done a show way back. I think it was uh, Act Six or Episode Six. Uh, which is the band, by the way, that um, that Ian Gillen and Roger Glover were in before they uh, joined Deep Purple. <laughs> but show, the sixth show we did, maybe something like, it's in the archives. 
I, oh, by the way, I love how we can say, you can go back to the archives. Yes. Look at our full catalog. We are in our, uh, the 30s. Uh, you know, we've done more than 30 shows, uh, and, uh, and they get better and better. And uh, so, yes, we, we will be releasing um, a, a premium edition box set for the Rock, <laughs> Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin archives. I love that. <laughs> no. Uh, is that, too, that's, that could be three seasons, right? If you do 10 shows a season, we're in our, th <laughs> we're in our third season and we're still doing it live. No. Uh, oh, we have too much fun here. Um, so anyway, I was going to talk about um, just unique. There's been a lot of unique collaborations and we've touched on a couple of different things. We touched on Ronnie James Dio and Carrie Livgren. We talked, we talked about, uh, we did talk a little bit about Deep Purple and jo JoLynn Turner, and I, I, I was going to get back into that record because, uh, in terms of content for the show, because I've been l listening to it again, um, and it just is so so good, especially on vinyl. Um, Slaves and Masters, which came out in 1990, uh, but um, anyhow, I don't know. I, I think I, I'm attracted more now to the Sammy Hagar David Lee Roth debate. Especially because I, you know, I was listening to the the DLR album and uh, John Five with this new. Uh, by the way, we got We got to sit down with him. This guy is fascinating. I mean, he is a fascinating. He's a huge Kiss collector. He's a guy who can play in Marilyn Manson and then go write songs with Steve Perry. Who else would play in Marilyn Manson or or you know work with Rob Zombie and then write songs with the guy who's saying "Don't Stop Believing"? That's really cool. You know, so we we're gonna we're gonna. Uh, reach out to him and just have a nice chat because that, that would be really awesome. Uh, but anyway, you know, this got me thinking about um, just the, the David Lee Roth. So, well, you know, I, I would just say this about Deep Purple. Listen to the the album with Joe Lynn Turner. It's awesome. It's really good. It has a great sound to it. Uh, Fortune Teller, Truth Hurts. Um, there are some really amazing songs on there, and I just think it's it's like a slow jam. It's a rock and roll slow jam record where the blues really do come through. It's different. It's like for 1990, it takes you back to a time where these bands were really influenced by British and American blues and and hard rock, and then the organ dynamics, the Hammond organ dynamics in there, the great, the late great John Lord. I mean, it's all there. It's a great record to listen to, and a rare collection. It didn't really do as well as uh, the Deep Purple album before that, which was uh, at that point the last with Ian Gillen before he, Ian Gillen came back for um, the Battle Rages on in 1993, which is also another good one. The title track, very good. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm. And by the way, Deep Purple's coming around. I love those guys. I saw them last year with the Priest, and I, I'm, I'm really a big fan of the newer stuff they're doing as well uh, they have a record they put out in 2017 so deep purple continues to be that band that that um you know you forget the fact that these guys helped start rock and roll i mean they were part of the trinity zeppelin sabbath and i think you have to you always have to put deep purple in that list too um the diehards do sometimes they get overlooked the casual fans of heavy metal and the birth of heavy metal don't quite give Deep Purple the do, but they're, they're certainly a huge part of it. These guys just look like a bunch of older chaps who love playing music. And you forget that they're in one of the biggest bands in the world. That's, that's really, really cool. It's just, you know, a bunch of old guys just, hey, let's go to the pub and play the guitar and do some songs. You know, that's kind of how their shows are. The, that's the, you know, it's not pretentious. It's not, you know, we are rock stars. It's just, you know, Ian Gillen comes out in T-shirt and jeans and sings. And it's really, it's just, it's an awesome experience to see those guys live. Um, so, 
with the, uh, I think I'm done with my notes there, because we're now guided purely by the passion of the music and, uh, yes, the information, but the passion. I don't need notes to tell me, oh, David Lee Roth was in what band again? No, no, we're good now. Um, we always have the notes just for the headlines and everything else, but everything else is all pure passion, my friends. So um, Roth and uh, Hagar, um, I will say this, you know, th this debate, uh, there's a debate about whether the debate's over. <laughs> you know, uh, somebody was talking about, one of the rock journalists or rock hosts out there uh, was talking about whether... Um, this debate is finally at rest. I, to me, it doesn't really matter. There's always going to be a conversation. I, I you know, raw, the, the the general consensus. I mean, the diehard fans love, absolutely love the the original Van Halen. When Fifty One Fifty came out, they said, "What?" You know, some of the fans would say, "What the heck is this?" You know, what is this? Um, and I think what's what's happened is. There are two healthy camps, and I think even when Sammy joined the band, there was a healthy camp that formed that said, "We really like this. We like what they're doing." They were a big, they were uh, huge Sammy. They were redheads in the '80s, and to know that they were joining Van Halen, it's hard to be a rock fan of any a fan of any rock band in the '80s and not like Van Halen, you know. And and I think it would also be hard to have expected Van Halen to not go in the heavier keyboard direction they did. Obviously, you got a glimpse of that on 1984, so that's where everybody was going anyway. Um, on, I would have liked a few more songs like Girl Gone Bad, House of Pain. Um, I would have loved a few more songs like that. Panama also. Even Drop Dead Lakes. If we had like four more songs on that record, I think you, know, you would have felt like you got more from that era, the end of the Roth time, you know? But Sammy came in and did his own thing. And they got bigger because they got, you know, the, the, they, they started writing more about love and life and hard work and whatever and serious lyrics and, and anthems like Dreams and, and you know, song, Feel So Good, songs that people can relate to a little bit more than just party, 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 party. And I think that was the right evolution for Van Halen. I love Sammy Hagar. You know, I, I've always been more partial. I, listen, I love David Lee Roth. Please don't. I mean, I, I grew to truly love that stuff. Um, I was hoping that, you know, I remember in 96 when Roth came out with Van Halen at the, v the VMAs in New York City, and, and I thought, okay, they're going to do something. Because the two songs, remember, the best of uh, Volume 1 had those two new songs, Me Wise Magic, which, you know what, Let's, we're going to add it to the intro. Okay, we, I'm saying this, you know. We're, it's, as you listen to this, you would have already heard it, but I'm deciding right now we're adding it to the intro of the show. Uh, next to um, <laughs> do it live uh, but um, just to celebrate that moment in pop culture too we jump around we cover everything on this show so me wise magic and can't get the stuff no more I was just listening to that recently and that still feels like I mean that happened in my lifetime so I, I did get new music with David Lee Roth in Van Halen and it was still it's still what you would call even 10 years ago what you would have called some kind of classic Van Halen you know and what's great about it is that's more original than the stuff on a lot of the stuff on A Different Kind of Truth from 2012, which had a lot of work from the demos in the 70s. So they just reworked some things. So if you listen to the Zero album, there's a the bootleg of the first sort of recorded Van Halen out there. They call it the Zero album. Uh, it has some of the bass lines and riffs that went into 
um, a different kind of truth. So, you know, I don't know what's, nobody knows what's going to happen with Van Halen. You know, nobody knows. We do know that if you want some great Van Halen-ish kind of music or people involved with, you got to listen to the new Circle record. The Circle, this band is bigger now than I thought it would be as a super group and as a, a band that really started out as, you know, designed to cover Sammy's music, you know, from Montrose to solo to Van Halen to solo to, you know, with the Wabos to, you know, whatever, to back to Van Halen and solo again. They do it all, and they do a, an incredible job of it. Vic Johnson is one underrated mother of a guitar player. Again, that's as close as I get to cursing. <laughs> I could never say that on air. But anyway, um, and and seriously, you know, he's, um, and I, and I, uh, I, and I said, I, it was a different version of Mother. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Mother's Day is coming up, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> um, so, no, no, no. Where were we? Okay. So you have um, Vic Johnson, who is totally underrated. Now, he's played with Sammy since the Wabos. He's been Sammy's main lead guitar player, whenever Sammy's not playing solos, since Sammy left Van Halen. Okay, so he's played with them for years. He's on all of Sammy's post-Van Halen, pretty much all of Sammy's post-Van Halen music. And because they've got the drummer, uh, the, the, the son of the late Led Zeppelin drummer, uh, in the circle now, they're playing Led Zeppelin. So Vic Johnson can do great justice to Jimmy Page, and he can do Eddie Van Halen. Even plays a Wolfgang guitar, you know. He can do all this other stuff. He can do, um, you know, uh, uh, Ronnie Montrose. He can do Joe Satriani, you know, from the Chicken Foot stuff with Sammy Hagar. These guys are worth seeing. I saw them two years ago. Incredible music. But if you really want anything new related to Van Halen and you want to see how great Sammy is still, and again, I and, and no, I'm not hyping any of this. No, I'm not taking a cut. I'm just a fan, obviously, okay? you got to say that because people get ridiculous. No, I'm not repping anybody i'm just saying as a fan um sammy is 71 years old his voice is outstanding he can't get do the super 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 high notes anymore who can but you know you look at some of the other stuff going on with other artists out there who are struggling a little bit sammy's not struggling vocally he still has michael to help carry those high notes so you get you you get half of you get the other half of van halen (laughs) which is what they used to call themselves the other half uh, which kind of pissed off the Van Halen brothers, I think. Um, um, uh, yes, I can say that word on podcast, but that's it. Uh, teed off, I should say. Uh, <laughs> we're walking the line, aren't we? We're not getting any closer to the edge of profanity than that, I promise you. Uh, you know, <laughs> Van Bleep and Halen. <laughs> okay. Um, and the bleeping means... Van, good old times rock and roll, Halen, is what I meant to say when I said bleeping. Uh, okay. All right, enough of the cute stuff. So I think if you like Van, I, I mean, listen, to me, the debate's over. The, the general idea is Dave was never a great singer, but he was all about the show. So if you like the showman and all that stuff, that's great. The only problem is as Dave gets older, doing the twirling and all that stuff is a little weird. So he's more of like just the old guy out there, going, you know, doing the woo and you, you know, all, the, all those kind of yelps in between what, you know, halfway singing, halfway scat almost. Which again, no disrespect, love Dave, you know. 
at the same time, you're still going to get singing with Sammy Hagar whenever you see him outside of Van Halen. I don't think he's ever coming back. I think that's all done, unfortunately. So I think you're probably going to get more uh, quality for performance if you see anything related to Sammy, um, unless you have the full Van Halen package or at least the brothers with Roth. Then you get Dave doing his thing, struggling a little bit probably vocally, but you have Eddie who... Uh, on that last two or four years ago was playing and I mean ladies and gentlemen Eddie Van Halen was playing better than ever on that last tour this has got to be the first show we've ever done where the amount of music news has taken over the show you know, I mean, we usually have a, a focused discussion in the middle. We did a little bit with the Hagar Roth thing and sort of a Deep Purple mention. But um, and not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, we can talk about whatever we want. That's what we do. You know, that's the great thing about podcasting. But uh, and, and we are our own producers, which is really, really cool. But, um, you know, so much music news, so much that happened in the last few days. And I remember saying, gosh, you know, other than, you know, regular interviews, you know, so and so asks this artist, "What do you think about using backing tracks?" To this artist, "What do you think about using?" You know, it's like, or or people asking rock stars' opinions about the politics, or for their opinions on politics. It's just really lame. I, I'm not into that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, I like talking to an artist about their craft and what they do, uh, and their view of the industry from their perspective based in their craft and their work and their influences, you know. Um, anyway, I don't need to know the politics of some rocker or this person or or weighing in on, on, you know, because one person said rock is dead, that everybody else, you know, has to, I mean, I, I you know, it's not, to me, that's not news. The news ought to be, what is this person doing? Or, you know, like, because that, that to me is special. Oh, Paul Stanley, by the way, in the studio doing Soul Station, he tweeted out a picture uh, recording some stuff, some covers, and some new material. So that's going to be pretty cool to see. I really like that project. It's a Motown uh, tribute. I think they do a little bit of Philly uh, International in there, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, that's a it's a really good uh, good project to uh, outside of Kiss that I'm looking forward to as well. So it's Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin, everybody. Uh, we are going to be back for one more show, of course, before the weekend is out. But that is no excuse to wait and not listen to this show and listen to it again. And also, because we have so many shows we've done, we're in our third season, if you if you count the shows by 10. Um, please go back to the Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin archives. And... Uh, if you play all the shows from the start, um, call it the Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin Anthology. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Do your own best of. But the best keeps getting better, and it just did here, and it will again with our next show. Until then, my friends, keep it rocking and stay classy. <laughs> For some odd reason, I'm quoting Ron Burgundy. <laughs>